Hello and welcome to the Hairdryer Treatment Podcast. Today we've got plenty to talk about as we dive into the week's UEFA Champions League action as well as have a little bit of a chat about the one and only Diego Maradona. God rest his soul. I'm your host and resident Geordie and due to the NFL's Thanksgiving games, Rangers and Chelsea fan Luke is the only one who could make it tonight. How are you doing Luke? I'm doing good. How about you Kieran? Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. Just us two tonight mate. Yeah, we'll make it, make it happen. Come on. Yeah, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll make it work. Um, yeah, I did mention it just there, and we did also mention it briefly at the start of um, yesterday's podcast. But I think it would be remiss of us not to talk a little bit about Diego Maradona again today. Um, in case you somehow missed it, the legendary Argentinian footballer passed away on Wednesday, having suffered a cardiac arrest at the age of 60. He was a magician, an artist, and simply put, one of the best to ever step foot on a football pitch. Luke, how will you remember him? Well, uh, do you know, first of all, actually, I'm astounded that he reached 60, given the amount of uh, abuse that he gave his body in later life, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, um, but what, an, what an amazing player, actually. Um, my, my memory is of him actually playing against Scotland in, I think it was 79, actually. And I just watched the highlights again, and oh my goodness, that boy was completely unplayable. Um, he was just waltzing by players left, right, and centre, and you just, you just couldn't stop him. You know, it doesn't matter how much you try to kick him, um, he, he would just come back up and look for more. Um, yeah. But the other one that I remember him from is the Bilbao game where it, um, Barcelona were playing Bilbao, I think it was, and and it ended up in a huge, big, massive fight, and uh, and and he was. Um, he was one of the chief instigators in it. Um, so so that, that kind of showed both sides, the beauty and the beast of him, if that makes sense. But but without a doubt, he was such an amazing player and really an amazing, amazing talent. There's nothing else he can really say. Um, just an amazing footballer. Yeah, I think um, Sir Bobby Robson probably put it best by saying he was a rascal and a magician. Would you totally, agree? Totally. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> so much talent, but so self-destructive at the same time. I mean, if you think about, remember that World Cup where he made the comeback and then he got done for drugs? Yeah. Uh, for, for taking whatever it was, an Androlone or something. And he just looked like a man that was pumped up for it. And and, and as it turns out, he was pumped up full of drugs. So, you know, that explained it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, typical Diego, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, there's been, um, looking through Twitter and things like that, there's been a few less than kind reactions to his passing. Um, from fans who are still a little bit put out about a certain incident that happened in the 1986 World Cup against England. What are your thoughts on on that, on fans sort of, um, I don't know, tweeting abuse in the face of well, death, essentially? Do, do you know what? It's a pity, actually. And, and do you know what the fans forget, right? So if you watch the replay, replay of that goal, and yes, I'm Scottish, so I might be slightly biased, but actually <laughs> the goal itself was an amazing amazing piece of football um, great interaction between the players and great skills from him himself um, before he even jumped up and, and actually you know punched the ball or whatever I mean he beat about four different players and left them standing nobody nobody could lay a glove on him um, so so you know they, they, they might want to sneer but actually there's never been an England player that could even touch him in all honesty and, and I don't think yeah. there ever will be because he, he honestly was a generational talent and so, so really, I think it was a bit unfair, and I think it's just bitterness 
if I'm honest with you, that um, you know that people are sneering about him. He, he was such a talented player. You know, there, there's only really Kelly that could that could could outrank him. Yeah, I mean, sort of. It's still a little bit sort of like I'm obviously I'm English, and I know it's still a little bit raw and a little bit uh-huh. of a touchy subject for a lot of Englishmen. But at the same time, it was 34 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, and the man has just died. Like, I think eventually you've kind of just got to get over it. You also have to just acknowledge the sheer talent as well. I mean, I think it's unfair to. Yeah, you know, for for example, you know, like even as a Scotsman, if if um, you know, uh, you've got to acknowledge the talent of players, even if you didn't particularly like them when they played, you still have to acknowledge the fact that they they, they were really talented players. And I feel that it's unfair not to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I really I really do strongly feel that. I think if you're a football fan, you're a football fan, no matter who it is. Um, you know, even if they play for Arsenal, you still got to acknowledge them sometimes. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> it is a little bit. <laughs> I mean, um, it may not be the sort of maybe the best time for this conversation, but you did touch on it there. And to, um, to be honest, I'm sure we will have this conversation again in greater detail further down the line. But yeah. is Diego Maradona the greatest ever? Do you know what is between him and Pele? In all honesty, it really is because they were both such good players and, and they were both so different in the way that they they, they, they played the game. Um, mm. You know, I feel that that, um, that Maradona was a really instinctive player. He just, you know, he just knew where to be. And I think that was proved actually by the fact that he, he wasn't a particularly good football manager. But instinctively, he just knew where to be, how to play the ball. There's the infamous um, video, I don't know if you've seen it, of him warming up for Napoli. Uh, just doing all the tricks and stuff. Yeah, that just shows much of an instinctive player he was. Um, so he had the skills. He was incredibly, incredibly one-footed, um, but that never stopped him. Uh, on the other side, I think I think Pele was much more. He he was also you know instinctive to an extent, but I think he was much more cerebral in terms of his approach to the game. Um, so so there's an argument on both sides. Um, I'm I'm actually really I'm truly on the fence. I love Pele and I love, uh, you know, I really love Maradona. I think I probably would just come down on the Pele side, only just, mm. but literally, by the smallest smallest margin. I mean, I wasn't lucky enough to see either of them play during their careers, um, so I've only ever really seen from Pele and Maradona just sort of highlights, really. Yeah. So um, it's. I don't. You can't. I feel like you can't really get the full measure of a player just by watching the highlight reels um, mm-hmm. on YouTube. But I mean, I've. <laughs> it says something. It says something about the caliber of a player when he retired nearly a decade before I was born, mm-hmm. and yet still had a massive, massive impact on the way I see football and on the world of football that I know and that I've grown up with. So. I saw um, a football journalist, I think it was Henry Winter, tweet something along the lines of, you'd pay to watch him warm up. And um, <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong either, is he? <laughs> no, I don't think you could really go too far wrong with that, to be honest. Anyway, it's a shame um, that, he's, that he's passed away. Like you say, a little bit of a surprise that he lasted until, until 60 years of age, to be honest. But um, anyway, we'll miss him. God rest his soul. 
Moving on to the Champions League group stages, uh, which played their fourth round of fixtures this week, with some fairly notable headlines. Bayern Munich, Manchester City, Chelsea, Sevilla, Barcelona and Juventus are all through to the round of 16, with plenty of football still to be played through the final two group stage game weeks. The shock result of the week came from Anfield as Liverpool fell 2-0 to Atlanta. Meanwhile, Chelsea beat Rennes with a late goal, Manchester United eased past Istanbul 4-1 and Manchester City beat Olympiacos by a single goal to nil. Luke, with Ajax still to play, followed by a trip to Midland, um, in the midst of a busy, festive period of fixtures, are Liverpool in trouble of not qualifying? Probably not. Probably, I, I think I think they'll dispatch both of them. Um, but but I think that they, you know, it was interesting watching the game last night. Actually, you know what? The two goals were taken really, really well. Actually, um, I don't know. Did you watch the game? And they end up. It wasn't very exciting, but actually, yeah. they, they took the goals really, really well. Um, they executed the game plan really well, and I thought I thought Liverpool huffed and puffed a bit through the game, so they need to avoid that when when they go to you know when they play Ajax and and um, you know and Midland as well, and just mm-hmm. try and, and and impose their will on the game. Um, they didn't do that last night, and they kind of paid the price for it. But but uh, it, it was I, I still expect them to win, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I just I think the issue if you're a Liverpool fan that you gotta be looking at is that there isn't really any respite. I mean, they're the Saturday they play on Saturday against Brighton, then they play yeah. the following Tuesday against Ajax. Yeah. Then they play Saturday again, and then they play Wednesday. Then they play Saturday. Then they play like there's there's it's like Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday every week, and they're already a team struggling with injuries. So it's they haven't really got much rotation to lean on either. So one of the two competitions is going to have to suffer, but which, which one? I I, um, I still believe that you have a squad for these sorts of things. You know that's coming at the start of the season. You should have enough quality in your squad that you can rotate players in and out and, and still stick to the system. Um, you know, there shouldn't be any surprise to any of the big club fans. So, um, you know, I, I don't particularly have a huge amount of sympathy for that because... You know, every other club has to do it as well. You know, yeah. if, if you're relying on one guy all the time, then that's that's kind of like a recruitment failure, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, maybe I, maybe I'm wrong in this, but that's just what I think on the, the thing. I do worry a little bit for the defence, though. I mean, obviously Van Dijk and Gomez, the starting centre-halves, are out for the foreseeable future, meaning that essentially Fabinho, who is by trade a central midfielder, Absolutely. Yeah. And Joel Matip will have to play every minute of every game. They will. they will. I mean, that might not be a bad thing, actually. As long as they, if they stay fit, actually having a settled centre-half partnership isn't a bad thing. And, mm-hmm. and it's typically, when you're looking at rotating players, you're usually looking at rotating the fullbacks out anyway because they're the, in, the, in that system, the fullbacks are the ones that expend most energy. Um you know, because they, they effectively work as, as pretty much as wingers in the case of Andy Robertson. Um, <laughs> so I wouldn't be necessarily so worried, but I'd be worried about one of them getting an injury and then them having to rotate someone else in. Plus, I don't think Fabinho is absolutely amazing as a centre-back. I think he's okay, but I don't think he's anywhere near as good as either Gomez or, uh, you know. Oh, no, not even close. I mean, he's, a, he's an outstanding, like, defensive midfielder. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. an outstanding six, but... He doesn't. He, he doesn't quite live up to the same standard uh, as a centre back. However, 
able a deputy he might be. He's not quite uh, Virgil van Dijk or Joe Gomez even. Yeah. But um, He's clever enough to play the role and he's, he's obviously a good reader of the game and you can see that. Um, mm-hmm. But he's not a natural centre-half and you can also see that too. So teams will exploit that without a doubt. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing um, a few more of the younger boys be brought into the fold and then in the next well, month or so, really, with uh, so many fixtures on the horizon for Liverpool. Well, Liverpool can have uh, Connor Goldson and, and um, uh, uh, one of the other Rangers centre-halves for £75 million for the player. <laughs> I'd be happy with that, you know, I'd be fine. I'll just, I bet you just would. that out there in case Rob's <laughs> listening. You know, £70, million, you can have the, the two of them, that'd be fine, no problem at all. Yeah, Stephen Jack, Liverpool <laughs> fan. He might just say, "Ah, oh, uh, he might say, do you know what? Just yeah, take him. Fine. Just take him." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on to your boys. That's four wins from four for Chelsea in the Champions League. You yeah. happy with that, Sean? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it was a bit of a tricky one the other night, right enough, actually. And and do, do you know, I was reading an article about, about this actually. But Olivier Giroud um, must feel like the unluckiest man in the world at the moment for you know, and he's been a really positive influence actually in the Chelsea squad in the dressing room. Um, but he's not getting a look in regularly for games. But he, yet again, he stepped up and delivered. So fair play to him and fair play to Chelsea for grinding out a result when when it could yeah. have gone the other way. But yeah, delighted with that and delighted with the, the qualification as well. So yeah, let, let's bring it on. Come on. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think Olivier Giroud. I was having a conversation with a few friends the other day that. Mm-hmm. Olivier Giroud has got to be up there with one of the most underrated strikers in the world. Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah, and and he's he's a really really good pro as well. That's the thing about him. Excellent. And, and he was great with Arsenal as well, and he led the line really really well for them. And and I don't think he got the credit he deserved actually. So you know, and and he probably doesn't really get the credit that Chelsea deserves. But I think he's he's a good player. You can always rely on him to come in and do a job for you, and that's what you need. It's what you need in your squad as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I think his issue is that he's he's never been the, the striker who's going to score you 25 goals a season, but he's always played at teams who who expect that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and he, this is the thing. I, I sort of think he he is the guy that enables someone to score 25 goals a season. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. If you're playing two up front, he's going to be like the big target man to the slightly smaller guy that's going to bang the goals in left, right and centre. Um, if you can imagine him and Vardy playing up front together, for example, that would be a bit of a fearsome partnership. I don't think you could cope with, cope with either of them, could you? Yeah, but like I say, at the same time, though, he's, it's, he's, not, he's not unable to score goals. I think um, yeah. I saw a stat the other day that he's, he's only a few goals, maybe three or four goals away. From Ty and Thierry Henry's all-time goal-scoring record for France for the national team. I did team. not realise that. Wow, actually, that's interesting. There you go. Well, that shows his quality. Then that shows how, how good a pro he is. Actually, doesn't it? It's interesting. Yeah, absolutely, most definitely. Um, of the English teams, two of the four uh, are already through the round of sixteen. Um, which of the English teams do you think has the best prospects of going forward and? Well, I don't know, maybe go the furthest. I, I reckon you're probably going to say Chelsea, but any surprises? <laughs> well, <laughs> assuming, assuming that Liverpool get through and assuming that Liverpool are able to strengthen for the, the second half of the season in central defence, right? Which is, I'm assuming that they will do. Um, I would make them the favourites out of the English teams with Chelsea second. That's what I would say. But I think Chelsea are really good and I would love to see us do it again. Would absolutely love it. Um, the last time I was uh, 
I, I was actually in in um, Vietnam of all places, and uh, I went up to congratulate a Bayern Munich fan, and he tried to punch me in the face. <laughs> so that was quite amusing, actually. He was really not impressed at all because we'd just beat them, and um, he really wasn't very happy about it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd love to see us do it again. So we'll just need to see what happens. But uh, I, th I think Liverpool are probably marginally ahead of us because they do have quality and pedigree. What about Manchester City? The way they're playing right now, no. They can't defend for Toffee. They honestly yeah. can't defend for Toffee. You're going to get found out at the top, the top level for that. And, and they need to sort that out. I think they, they could be up there. They could be part of the conversation. But at the moment, the way they're playing anyway, I, I, I don't see it. I just don't quite see it. But yeah, I mean, they're four, they're four wins from four as well in the Champions League. I mean, the Champions League form seems to be a little bit better than the Premier League form. Mm. Um, they've only conceded one goal and scored 10 in, like say, four wins in four games. Mm -hmm. And what's not an easy... Like, people often like to joke and have a little bit of a jest about Manchester City getting easy groups, but Porto, Marseille and Olympiacos is not a walkover. Um, it's not... It's not the easiest group. I mean, I would agree with you there. I don't think it's the easiest group. It's, it's also not the hardest one as well. So yes. It, 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 but it, but it's certainly credit to them for, for, you know, making it seem pretty easy. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, honestly, I still, I, I think that we and Liverpool have a, a more of a chance, just the way that we're playing right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I guess you never really know because um, we've got that long of a break between the Champions League end That's of the group exactly. stages and the, and the round of 16, so That's anything can happen, really. We've got a transfer window between then as well. Totally, totally. Uh, moving on to the other side of Manchester. Uh, Manchester United currently top their group, but with PSG and Leipzig still to play, um, they're far from safe. They're far from far from safely through. Um, both Red Bull Leipzig and PSG are just three points behind them. Um, can you see them dropping out? Do you know what? It it, it could really really happen actually, um, because the, the both of those teams are no mugs. I mean, if you look at it um, overall, it, it's going to be tight. They're in a good mm -hmm. position. Do you know what I mean? They're in a very very good position. Overall, to you know, to, to, to do it, but it's, uh, it's it's going to be tricky for them. It's going to be tricky. Yeah, I mean they've got uh, PSG at home next week, and then the week after yeah. they've got a tough trip to Leipzig. Um, yeah. Like you said, they're not easy games. I, I, honestly, I think the key thing is to avoid defeat against PSG. If they do that, then they're, they're golden. That's them. I think uh, if they, I think if they get. A point. I, I don't think they can be knocked out anyway. Um, I, I think that's true, isn't it? Yeah, I haven't had a look at the table, but I'm pretty sure that's the, the way. So yeah, it's interesting to see Fernandez to the rescue. <laughs> <laughs> They'll probably get a penalty in each of the games anyway. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, the the table is uh, Man United on nine points, then PSG on uh, on six, and Leipzig also on six. Man United have quite a substantial goal difference boost, though. Oh, yeah. So, actually, they could... They probably will still qualify then by the sounds of things, eh? I think so, yeah. I say it's tough. Like, if PSG and Leipzig still had to play each other, then um, I think they'd be, they'd be golden, but mm. they don't. Mm. It's going to be interesting. You say if they lose the next one against PSG next week, then uh, that the Leipzig game in a couple of weeks' time will be... Very interesting. <laughs> For sure. 
So if you're having a look through the competition, mate, um, you're looking at all of the teams currently in the Champions League. Who's the favourite? The way Bayern Munich are playing right now and, and the way they're playing domestically as well, you can't really see past them in terms of the overall favourites. Um, I, I, between them and, and Liverpool, um, I don't think Barca are a force to be reckoned with this year. PSG, you can never really rule them out. And I, I, I just don't know if Real Madrid have got the quality these days to, to do it this year. So, so I think that Bayern Munich or Liverpool for me. Yeah, I've, I would probably go with Bayern Munich, I think. Um, mm. it's, I always try to avoid saying that my favourite for a competition is the team who just won it last year. <laughs> um, but it's really actually hard to look past Bayern Munich at the moment, isn't it? They've only, I, th- I think they've only lost one game all season. And, and do you know what? They've, they've played really, really well as well. I mean, obviously, you, you'll know from watching the, the Bundesliga, they've, they've, they've dispatched every team with absolute efficiency. And they haven't really shown any discernible weakness. And that's that's a pretty good recipe as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they don't have the same personnel problems as, as for example, Liverpool do, as, you know, Barca are all over the place. You know, even PSG, they have their own issues to deal with in terms of how consistent they can be. So, you know, that for me, that they are definitely the favourites. Yeah, I think the the only game that they've lost this season was in the Bundesliga. It was quite it was quite a hefty loss, to be fair. They got uh, they were battered four one by um, Hoffenheim. That's right. A, That's a few right. weeks into the season, but since then they've essentially been flawless. Like they they did draw at the weekend, but um, I mean they're not really struggling. I mean, they drew with Werder Bremen, which isn't a great result to be honest, but. Um, like I said, you can't look past Bayern. There's going to be the odd blip here and there, but they, mm, mm. I think they're, they're pretty excellent at the moment. Anyway, I think I think that's all. I think that's everything we've got to talk about. It's just a short one. We've just been us two today. Well, yeah, that's it. I just want to say, come on, Rangers against Benfica tonight. Come on, make me proud. Come on, Ooh, Benfica. Yeah. Yeah, big game in the Euro League. Yeah, it's interesting. So, how are you doing in the Europa League? Uh, we are undefeated, joint top with Benfica. So, um, pretty in a good position. If we if we were away to them tonight, but we uh, if we get a draw, then I'll be I'll take that. So, all good, all good so far. So, what are you going to be watching then? Are you going to be watching the um, the NFL Thanksgiving game? So, are you going to, are you going to be watching? Ah, you're going to be watching Rangers. It's a tough choice, actually. I think I'm going to watch the NFL games and then. I'll probably then switch over for the Rangers game and then have uh, my, my iPad with the, the NFL games on the other side so I can watch both. Oh, yeah, I think uh, I think, I think dual screening is the way the to go. Wonders of Sky Go, that's it. <laughs> wife as well, by the way, I've got to say, because she knows I'm a sports fanatic, so she's pretty much lined it up with as much snacks as my body weight to eat. So everyone's a winner. Big up, Mrs. Campbell. What about you? What about you? What are you doing? Are you going to watch the NFL game tonight? I don't know. I'll probably watch... Um, <laughs> I might do what you're doing to be honest. I might just stick yeah. stick both of them on and get the iPad out. Um, but yeah, do it. It's the way it is. Technology wins. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You can't help it, can you? I don't know. I, I never really bother myself too much with the Europa League unless there's a big game on um, normally. But it depends. I mean, obviously, because my teams, you know, my other teams in it, I, I, I'll watch it and stuff, um, and you know, hopefully, laugh at Celtic as well when they get beat. But uh, you just never know. You never know. It keeps it interesting anyway. But uh, I'm looking forward to a bit of Thanksgiving live sport anyway, either way. So uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. And if we have any American listeners out there, happy Thanksgiving. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. Send us a message and tell us what you're thankful for. Football. <laughs> <laughs> Saudi Arabian oil money is my thing at the moment. <laughs> Anyway, that is all we've got time for this week. But be sure to tune in again next week when we'll be back to take a look at all the Premier League action from another round of fixtures. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you then.